Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today joined by a officially like this is it, it, it may have been a conversation in the past. It was you know on your second appearance. You know you became a you know a, a, a good friend of the show. Now you're a, a Lakers Lounge global ambassador, <laughs> Lee Ellis. Thank you very much for hopping on with us. Uh, uh, always. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, always fun talking with you too, Anthony. And uh, I think we have talked about it in the past. You know, my my first team that I followed was the Lakers. You know, I, I grew up, I've got posters from the 87, 88 Lakers. I've got correspondence I received. I've got team photos. Uh, James Worthy was my favorite player, my first favorite player. Uh, so to be chatting with you right now is great. And in the background, you might be able to see it there. This is... Uh, okay. This is from it's the court. Kobe back. Yeah, this yeah. is from the court in Chatter, Boston, which is a suburb of Istanbul in Turkey, which I'm working on a little feature from where they painted the whole court in honor of Kobe uh, after his passing, of course. Uh, but this was the court that he opened in 2011, and it was uh, wow. a huge deal. So that court I got to play on last year holds huge significance for the people of, of I mean, not just Istanbul and Chatter Boston, but Turkey. Kobe was absolutely adored there as he was pretty much everywhere around the world. And so to get to play on a court that held meaning like that was a really fun experience. Yeah, the the... It's funny. I live in a suburb about 30 minutes north of Austin. And if I drive into the city of Austin proper, about 15 minutes or so from my house off to the side of the freeway, there's a Kobe and 
GG mural, like off to the side of the freeway in Austin, the, 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 the reach there and, and the impact um, of his passing and her passing and all that is insane it, that, that in Texas, they hate like all of my neighbors, the Lakers, like yeah. all of them, you know, I live by, around a bunch of Spurs fans, a bunch of Mads fans. They all hate the Lakers, but, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's great. I, you mentioned James worthy. I haven't told the story on the pod, so I'll make it quick because uh, I saw that you did the steam room with Ernie and Chuck and podcasting with like old NBA players is always a uh, kind of a fun experience. James Worthy, uh, they used to do for Spectrum, they used to do a uh, blogger night where they would invite. This is at the at the beginning of basically Spectrum's uh, Lakers coverage. They would invite bloggers in, and they would ask us to you know write something up about the experience and everything that they're offering Lakers fans on that channel, and yada yada yada. We got to sit in and watch a game basically with the studio staff that was in that day. And James was always there. Obviously Geeter was always there. And the time that the, one of the times that I was there, I got to sit next to Karan Butler, had a great time there as well. At the beginning though, um, I didn't, I didn't do much writing at the time. I said, I, you know, the only way that I'm going to get any value of this, or you're going to get any value out of me is to have these people on my show. And, um, and they said, great. Uh, you, you can just, we'll just set you up in an office and we'll have people cycle through when you can have everybody on there. And apparently it seemed like the, the PR person that I was working with had told James Worthy that he was going to be talking on a podcast. The thing is, though, I think he thinks to this day, my name is podcast because <laughs> I, I <watched> it. <laughs> maybe not now because podcasts are so much more popular. Right. This was a few years ago. Right. I walk in, there's this cavernous hall, and it's this all cemented away. And James Worthy, you know this, has this deep, booming voice. He's at yeah. the other end of the hallway. He sees me, and I have my equipment that I'm getting set up in the other room. He sees me from down the hall. He goes, yo, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real McLovin story right there, isn't it? It's great, know? yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... But I wanted to ask about the experience doing the steam room with with uh, Ernie and Chuck. That was I, I saw that and I was just like blown away. That was incredible. Uh, I, I'm still kind of on a high from it, to be honest, um, because, yeah. you know, for, for me to be sitting there between two Hall of Famers and, and they were interviewing me was a, a really surreal experience. I mean, I've known Charles, especially from my early NBA fandom, which started in the late mid to late 80s there. Um, and so I've known all about his career, you know, his, his, his time in Philadelphia and the frustrations going up against the Bulls. He gets traded to Phoenix. He faces the Bulls in the finals. They can't win a home game. They just win yeah. one home game. Maybe they win the championship. But, you know, so to be sitting there with him and then Ernie, of course, his, his standing amongst the sports media broadcasters, not just in the basketball world, I think in, in America, I, yeah. I think Ernie's up there in that elite category with, you know, the Bob Costas's and, uh, uh, the the Dodgers broadcaster, his name escapes Vince me. Right? Mm -hmm. Vince Scully, that's the one. Yeah, you know those sorts of legendary names, and so it was it was amazing. I mean, I, I was on there for probably forty five minutes or so. I could have been talking for two or three hours uh, with those guys because that's the thing, especially with um, you know Ernie. Not not that Charles has it either, but there's no ego there. Ernie's there talking to you like like yeah. we're talking right now, and Charles is always great because 
he he doesn't ever afraid he's never dodged a question in his life he'll answer it he'll say whatever he wants and yeah. that sort of sincerity and that authenticity makes those conversations just so enjoyable and uh, yeah I, I i just you know it's one of those moments when when we were wrapping up i was like guys i've got another hour here easy let's just keep going you know uh, <laughs> and i want, and, and i sort of wanted to turn it around say all right now i've got some questions for you charles um, yeah and so anyway in the end we talked about him coming to Australia this year, and uh, well, it remains to be seen if he'll follow through on that. But I can say that I'm working diligently to make that happen, and uh, people in Australia have been lining up already, saying, "Listen, it's not a matter of interest or money, or if Charles wants to come, if we can get him on that plane, it's yeah. going to be huge." So uh, fingers crossed. I mean, I should find out probably in the next, you know, three or four weeks if it is actually going to go ahead. I've got a few people working behind the scenes to try to make it happen, but uh, we'll see. So it, it, it'd be just an incredible sort of life achievement for me if I'm able to sort of instigate Charles going to Australia to do a couple of live shows and uh, and hopefully I'll be a part of it myself. Yeah, I mean, show him to a golf course in a casino. I think your chances are pretty good. Like see, that's it. <laughs> that's it. And that's what makes Charles so great is everyone knows it's like it wouldn't take much. All the, And, you know, he'll be going to Sydney. He'll be going to Melbourne. Some of the best golf courses in Australia. Yeah, I was just going to say, golf in Australia is incredible. Yeah. It, we stay at the casino so he can gamble and have a drink. He'll be staying in a nice place. It's, you know, the only, the only thing is the flight to get out there is obviously kind of tough. But even for that, he's not going to be sitting in coach, you know, and doing the, <laughs> doing the four stops to get to Australia. It's like... You know, Los Angeles, Sydney, first class, fifteen hours. It's 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 a little easier to uh, manage than you know being a backpacker in your twenties trying to get around. Yep, I would I would imagine so. Uh, Lee Ellis, you you've been you know working diligently. I've seen on your on your uh, on your profiles on on social that you are now eighteen of twenty cities. The project was called uh, Twenty Cities, Twenty Countries, Twenty Games. Um, I'm going to talk, I want to talk to you about being a global fan all over again and, and all of that. My first question though, like about actual basketball, um, your pinned tweet right now is a video that you did from Paris, France. And, um, obviously you just mentioned Victor Womanyama or, or we, we mentioned him off the air. We'll talk about him in a little bit as well. Um, and then coming in this upcoming draft, you have Alexander Saar, who, um, <laughs> I just need to know, is there a factory? Like, does, do, do they have a fed? Do they, is it like, are they just walking around like these giant seven yeah. and set half, almost seven and a half foot tall people who can dribble and shoot and all those things? Is that just an everyday thing? Yeah. I mean, it seems to be that way, doesn't it? Because, you know, I remember when Porzingis got drafted, which I guess is probably 10 years ago now. And, yeah. and he was the first guy that I think we've seen that tall who could shoot. Now, he, he doesn't have the handles that we've seen of Wembenyama so far. And, you know, Puzingas' career, is, it's, it's, we're still in the process right now. I mean, I think he's yeah. actually been a pretty good addition to the Celtics, but, of course, it didn't work out in Dallas and Washington. No one goes to Washington to, uh, you no. know, make their career. But he's got yeah. a great opportunity to, you know, build his reputation up. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. And, and, and you know, the Celtics easily one of the favourites to win the championship right now. But, yeah, I mean, Wembenyama, you know, to seeing what he's got and, and the skills, the ability to play defence, to shoot, to dribble, to move the way he does, I mean, the potential is there that he could just be the most dominant player of all time. I mean, it's there. It's yeah. not – I don't think that's hyperbolic because we've never seen anyone with the finesse that he has now. Obviously, he's not going to have the power of Shaq. 
uh, you know, likely at any point in his career because he's a thinner guy, but he can still be dominant because he just can't stop it. I saw it up close. Yeah, I saw it up close (laughs) here in Atlanta. Like some of the plays they were running were literally just throw the ball toward the rim. He's so long and tall, he grabs it and just drops it in there. So, um, but uh, but it's great. And I actually asked Greg Popovich about that uh, at the at the pregame scrum. I said, in the past, a lot of Euros, with the exception of Luka Doncic, even going back to Nikola Jokic, he was a second round pick. You know, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, these guys weren't number one picks like Wembenyama. Um, and and I think a, a big part of the reason is teams have still been reluctant to draft a non-US born player number one and say he's our guy. Again, Doncic yeah. kind of being the exception in in recent times, but Wembenyama was the number one pick. You know what? Well, Doncic didn't months. even go first though. That's like, right. Remember Doncic? Right. went. Aiton went first, and yeah. the knock on Luca was that he didn't play against Duke, and it was like, yeah, Luca played against some good teams. Well, Luca was EuroLeague MVP in, at seventeen at Real Madrid, and uh, you know the people in Europe who I know were like. Why would anyone have even considered anyone before Doncic as the number one pick when when he was available? So again, those yeah. sorts of stigmas, though. I mean, they do take a while to shake off because you yeah. do have your Andrea Bagnani, who was was a decent player, just not a number one pick sort of caliber player over the years. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's 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 great. I mean, basketball is still you know a distant second to soccer in the world game, but I I do believe that margin is getting. Uh, thinner and thinner because basketball now is is just everywhere for men and women, boys and girls, and it's uh, it, it's so cool to see right now as well. I mean, who's going to win MVP again this year? It, it's likely to be Jokic or Embiid again, yeah. perhaps Shea Gil, just Alexander. So another non-US, which would make it six years in a row if that's the case that uh, an American-born player doesn't win MVP. And and just you know on those sorts of things, some of the videos I've put up, people have sort of you know, said, oh, America's still got the best players. And I'm like, it's no, there's no one disputing the NBA is still the best league in the world. No one's, yeah. no one would seriously think the Euro League <laughs> or the, any Asian league is better. But the way that guys are coming in now to the NBA and dominating and playing just shows how the game is growing and people are getting, you know, building up really, really good, high quality skills all around the world. And that's what it's about. The game is global. It's not, you know, there's no sort of like it's America's game and no one else can play it. It's like, hey, man, it's for everyone. And and, and you're seeing that in the results. Yeah, this upcoming Olympics is going to be fascinating because, you know, you've already had LeBron, you've already had Steph, you've already had KD mentioned that they want to play in it, you know, following FIBA uh, over the summer, the the uh, the Lakers, the uh, Team <laughs> USA, you know, disappointed. It's just it's just Freudian at this point. Like the Lakers disappointing is just a part of my lingo now. <laughs> um, but like the but over the summer, you had, uh, you know, Team USA struggle in that tournament. And, and the fallout from that was that all the, you know, kind of a team NBA superstars stepped up and said, OK, we all want to play in it now. And I'm really like fascinated how that's going to go, because people forget that redeem team uh the you know the 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 first iteration of it they played against spain in the final and that remains to this day my favorite basketball game of all time wow. it was incredible it was it was it was back and forth uh you had the gasols playing really well rudy fernandez was on that spanish team and and uh ricky rubio i believe was on it as yep. well and and um you know the global game has really grown and i think 
you know, with LeBron and with Steph and with KD and with, you know, all of the best guys from America going to Paris this year, potentially team USA would be, I think the, the prohibitive favorite, but I think there'd be legitimate value on some of the other teams and some of the other countries. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world, bar none. Like, and the only, and, and the person that, I guess technically Embiid might play for Team USA. Well, I think um, he's already said yes. I think he actually accepted yeah. that invitation, which is interesting because that's where they got pounded in in Manila. They they were way too small. Jaron yeah. Jackson, Jaron Jackson was there big, and so it was like, man, some of those bodies, especially against Lithuania, you know, some of those big yeah. big dudes. That's where the now, ironically, it's going to be huge too. Yeah, like, <laughs> it wasn't yeah. Um, Lithuania who who went on to win it, but that was the team that really sort of you know, upset the, the, the momentum the U.S. had. And I think that's when they realized, like, man, we got to get some size because mm-hmm. those, those big Eastern European dudes, you know, who are just like, <laughs> you know, Jaron Jackson's a very good player. He's just not a banger, you know. He's not a yeah. – uh, he's not one of those guys. But th- this is absolutely what everyone should want because you see after the U.S. lose to Canada in the bronze medal game and, and you know, understandably and fairly, it's like, well, that wasn't the best USA team. True, 100% true. Fine. We want we want LeBron and Steph and KD and you know whoever else is Anthony Edwards. We want the best team there because you're right. The US goes in absolute heavy favorite and should sweep the tournament. Because if they don't, then it's like then that conversation is like, see now how the game is not just uh, totally dominated anymore, where these teams are intimidated by the US, and there's no then fallout in terms of the excuses like well we're not you know it's 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 jaron jackson playing instead of you know whoever the big does yeah, end yeah, up yeah, being. Yeah, yeah exactly and so this is what's great and this is why for me olympic basketball and world cup basketball we want the best players from the best teams going out there and competing so then we get an understanding of who who is the best because no one i don't think picked germany with schroeder and daniel tice to go on and uh, win the gold medal i mean those guys and I've seen it from watching Australia. When they put on their national jerseys, these yeah. guys become, you know, I think I saw the Kobe Shaq, you know, that sort of reveal meme <laughs> yeah. of Tyson yeah. Schroeder because that's what happens, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I'm very excited. That was some of the best news I heard after that tournament where LeBron, now I, I know, I don't, I haven't actually seen him say it, but it was reported that he was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to Paris. I know Kevin Durant, I've seen him say it. And I'm pretty sure Steph said he's in as well. So that's like great. And when you get those three guys committing, then you know everyone else who's going to want to be a part of it is like, right, well, if they're all going, then yes, I want to go. I think in the past, sometimes it's like, well, Miles Turner's playing and, uh, you know, people are like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that, you know, I don't really want that. So I, I, I'm really happy that this has almost provoked this response where it's gotten LeBron to say, oh, all right, I'm going to go on correct things in paris i mean that's perfect for the the game of basketball ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 to get 20 20 to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, 
Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, that, that 2008 Redeem team, right? It came together because 04 was such a disappointment. Yep. And Kobe was the one who kind of started the thing of like, all right, I'll, I'm going this time. LeBron, you're coming too. Mello, Dwight, you know, and 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 that team came together that way. And then 2012, I thought was an even better collection yes. of talent. Um, and then you know it kind of fell off again once we kind of saw okay when when America sends our best guys that's what it kind of looks like but I don't I don't think it's going to look that way this year I, I legitimately don't hell I think I've been begging for the All Star Game to be American guys against global guys almost like a Ryder Cup an annual Ryder Cup kind of thing um, you know for for golf fans out there and. I don't, I legitimately don't know how that game would go. And I probably think I would probably favor the international team if, if it came to that. Um, and I'm, I'm curious. So like you've had so much experience around the world and, and like, is there, is there like global pride in the way that the game is growing around the world? Obviously you have domestic pride in each of the countries that you go in and, and the growth in their own specific country, but seeing the way that like last year, the top three candidates, it wasn't just that the MVP was, was, uh, was internationally based. The top three finalists were all from, from, from abroad. And I think it's probably going to be the same thing again this year. Um, Is there like a global pride that you've noticed from in in that regard? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and the way that the game is played and taught, I think, is really key here because in the Balkans, they almost never play pickup basketball in a five on five full court format. It's all three on three basketball. Now, three on three basketball, I've come to learn, is a better way of playing pickup basketball because yes. you're involved in almost every play, whether it's on offense or defense. If you're if you're slacking on defense, you're going to get burned immediately. Your man's scoring, running to the hoop. And then on yep. offense, the ball just has to keep moving you, because you keep moving, and, and that's the way to do it. And if you look at the results, like Serbia, there's only been eight three-on-three world championships. Serbia's won six of them. And if you look at guys, again, like Jokic, what, what stands out about Jokic? It's not that he's this big, muscly tough guy it's this ability to pass and to find guys Aaron Gordon Mm -hmm. sometimes and Michael Porter Jr those guys still sometimes are walking around all of a sudden the ball's in their hand and they're like oh I've got got to shoot I've got to dunk you know because Jokic exemplifies that and I actually asked Jokic about that when the Nuggets were here in Atlanta and he said I love 3x3 because that's what it does is it keeps everyone involved you learn to pass you learn to move you don't necessarily have to be you know, the biggest, muscliest, most athletic guys. And that's still some of the criticism about Jokic. He's not that athletic. He can't jump. Yeah, but look how smart he is. Look how look how he's able to move the ball around. And so that, I think, is a, is a bit of a symbol of what's coming, is that, like, these, these countries who just know how to pass the ball and are taught that from a young age, as they start making it to the NBA, that's just the way. If you think of guys, you know, like Milos Teodosic, who came over, didn't really have the impact they were hoping for. Yasekevich's is another one from probably 15 years or so ago. But these guys in Europe are legends because of the way that they're able to play and really put their imprint on the game without scoring 
30, 35 points. It's the way they manage the game, the way they pass the ball around. And so that, you know, that's what I can see happening is that the the understanding of the fundamentals of the game, teamwork, ball movement, is going to sort of put the one-on-one stuff further and further behind because uh, these so many of these teams, remember Andreas uh, Orbst as well for Germany, like just a shooter. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be like two or three guys on each team who are just like lethal shooters, find the ball to them. They're going to be open because they're always moving. And that's where the game is going. And that's where I think the US has to really catch up. And Michael Malone, the Nuggets coach also, I asked him about it when the Nuggets were here. And he sort of mentioned that. It's like these guys get taught from a very young age uh, you know, about movement and about where to be and about how to play rather than just like work on your own individual skills. And uh, and it's great. And that's that's definitely what I'm noticing. You know, in the Philippines, I was out there as well. It's it, The funny part about the Philippines is, you know, genetically they've got some uh, catching up to do in the rest of the world because there's, they're not yeah. known for being a tall nation. Right. And the jokes about it out there were hilarious. But the passion for the game, the way that they're playing, yeah. the way they're preparing and practising, it's it's coming. I mean, it's still, uh, you know, we're probably still a couple of decades away from seeing, you know, a, a real impact in the NBA, but the talent and the passion is there and the understanding of how to play. And uh, and, and that's, that's what's great. Like countries, you know, everyone still wants to make the NBA, as I said. The NBA is the sort of goal for players to play. But we're also seeing now that you don't have to, uh, you don't only have to make that goal or if you don't make the NBA, you won't play high quality basketball. There's high quality leagues all around yes. the world. Yeah. And, and like the living situations for, I saw somebody was saying, I forget which player it was, um, was going and playing abroad in, uh, I forget which city it was too. And somebody quotes me like, I can't believe this guy has to go and play in this league or whatever. And it's like, this guy, I think it was Kendrick Nunn. He's mm. going to go and play in like a gorgeous country. I think he's in Monaco. Um, yeah. 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 It's like a, yeah. a gorgeous, a gorgeous setting to play that, ba- to play basketball. Um, a lot of the European teams provide a personal chef. They provide housing. They provide all these things. So he's just basically making profits to, to go and live in Monaco for a while and play basketball. Uh, it's a pretty decent way to make a living. And, and, you know, I was, I was also going to ask because I come from, I, I grew up playing soccer or I guess football. Um, and Kobe would always rant and rave about the impact soccer should have on basketball. They, you know, the nonverbal communications, the lot, the, the, the cutting off of the ball, um, the, the, the rotations defensively and all of these things. And, and I really think that when you look at the way that basketball is trained abroad compared to here in the States, I think soccer has a huge impact on that because that is the global game. And that's what everybody grows up playing. You have a lot more pickup soccer played, uh, you know, uh, around the world than, than here at home. It's, it's like I, I, I grew up, I, I would go down to Mexico to go visit family all the time. And there was always, you know, a couple trash cans tipped over and there was a bunch of us <laughs> playing in these dirt, like dirt yeah. lots. And, 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 you know, that learning to play that way really impacted the way that I saw basketball and the way that I, the way that I love to watch the game play. Do, do you, what, what impact do you think soccer has on, on basketball abroad? 
Well, no question that it has an impact because, uh, yeah, you have to move in soccer. You, there's no posting up. You know, there's no sort of like, yeah. you know, um, the the game doesn't slow down. You've got to keep moving. You've got to run two positions. You know, you've got to run to where the ball is. You, you have to understand the communication with your teammates. In fact, Thierry Henry, maybe my favorite football player of all time, just had a really good podcast talking about how when he joined Arsenal, you know, he was a striker and he was fast and he and he liked the ball up front. And a couple of the guys, Robert Perez and Dennis Burkamp, knew how to put the ball to him. But one of his teammates, Freddie Junberg, didn't know how to sort of get the ball to him. And and Thierry went to his manager, Arsene Wenger, and said, He doesn't he doesn't look for me, he doesn't find me. And, and Wenger said, Well, you've got to sort of adjust to him, to his game. And so mm. again, that nonverbal sort of understanding of like, okay, for this player I know where to run versus this player, it takes a different way of getting in his line of sight and so that to me is is again where it can transfer to basketball where we like i was just saying with Jokic and and, and aaron gordon and those guys the amount of times I, I you see highlights and it's like gordon's got his arms yeah gordon's got his arms there's a really good one of, of michael porter jr where he's walking at the three-point line all of a sudden the ball's just there he launches up and knocks it in he, he wasn't even paying attention uh yeah. you know which is great and i i think that um not only that but Going back to Kendrick Nunn as well, if you see now, and we're seeing a whole lot more of it, these highlights from EuroLeague games in Belgrade and Athens and Istanbul and places like that, and the crowds before the game, before yeah. the game, I mean, I'm talking, this is not like, you know, a two-point game in the fourth quarter. I'm talking like half an hour before the game. There's the sea of people. It's that wave of emotion and passion. That has got to be an incredibly intoxicating environment to play in. Um, I've been mm. to a couple of those games in Lithuania and Istanbul and Belgrade. And as a, as a you know, journalist, I guess, if you like, you can't help but feel energizing. Oh, my God, this is great. And, yeah. and so if you're, you know, Kendrick Nunn and you're like, I'm living in Monaco, I've got a chef here, you know, cooking my food for me. I'll wake up and see one of the most beautiful scenes in the world. And then I go and play basketball in these cities where these fans are so incredibly passionate about the game. That's got to be, you know, yeah. a, a, whole, a whole lot of fun. And uh, that that's what I love about European basketball is, is just how the crowds get into it. And I think part of the reason, and this is another thing about the NBA, I think there's too many regular season NBA games. I mm -hmm. think if you did cut the season back a bit, you would find – more enthusiasm from fans it's not going to happen we all understand that no no owner is going to say yeah take 10 games off the schedule i don't care that's yeah. not going to happen but i think that's why the euro league is really thriving right now is because you might only get real madrid versus red star belgrade twice a year so those yeah. games mean something the fans know what's at stake there's value there's real understanding of hey we've got to win this game you know, and not only that, but I think that, you know, there's historical rivalries there, there's cultural rivalries there, music, food, all those things come into play. So when it gets played out on the basketball court, it's a whole lot more than just who's going to win this game. There's there's personal bragging rights. There's like country bragging yeah. rights. The, the EuroLeague playoffs last year, they have the playoffs and then they have the final four. They were unreal. They were three of the four series went the distance, five games, uh, and then the final four was incredible. So, it, it it's you know Euroleague basketball is no longer like oh it's just where you go at the end of your NBA career. It's like man, you go and you'll have an incredible life experience. Yeah, we do fandom pretty poorly here in the states. 
we're so boring. There's no chance. There's no like it's it's you know people are showing up midway through the first quarter. Yeah, like you know you have you'll have fan bases that get known for it, but it's a thing everywhere. Like every you go to you go to a game basically anywhere, um, especially an NBA game where there are too many games in the regular season and people are still showing up. You know while when the teams like reach their 20 point mark or something like that. And, uh, and even when they show up there, like it, it doesn't really get loud unless it's a great matchup, but it doesn't yeah. really get loud until the fourth quarter. Those games are loud throughout. Uh, an example of it was actually the world baseball classic. I don't know if you ca- caught any of those games um, when they were played recently. And everybody that I, I spoke to who went and I think they had some games in Miami. Yeah. And and some some of my friends who went to some of those games there in Miami said that like if baseball was like that all the time, yeah, we would get so much more like it like so many more people would go. You go to a baseball game now, and like you almost have you almost feel like you're being told to be quiet. Like <laughs> they're pitching, you know. Like, it's what, like yeah, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, I'm curious though. Like it, it, that offers a pretty great segue here. You your 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 pathway through you know, basketball fandom is I think completely unique. Uh, obviously born and raised in Australia. Uh, you are a, a super fan from there. You're taking in highlights from VHS tapes that you, you had mentioned to me before. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and basketball cards that made their way out there as well. And, and, <clears throat> and, um, you go through all of that and, and you link up with, I think at the time they were still the basketball Jones, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, become a bigger part of the show and basketball Jones becomes the starters. They are now no dunks Inc. And you were there for that as well. And then you decide to embark on this project that you are currently killing it on. And, and so I'm curious, like you went from global fan to a very unique perspective domestically as a fan where you are on, on one of the biggest shows talking about the game on a daily basis. And then you step away from that to become a global NBA fan again. What, what is this stage of the experience like for you being a fan as you're kind of participating in the global game as well? Well, I think this goes back to where it started for me, which is, you know, you, you see a basketball, you pick it up and you shoot it and you're like, Oh, this is great. And you have fun. And it was mm-hmm. so much about my early life that it wasn't just about playing basketball. It was how I made social interactions with friends, you know, and as you get mm-hmm. into your teen years, you start meeting girls at the basketball stadium and you, you know, so all of a sudden, all of the birthday parties you're attending, all the people, you know, it all sort of revolves around basketball. So it brought so many good memories and so many good experiences that being an analyst for 11 years was great. I didn't, I didn't, you know, not like doing it anymore, but I also was like, I want to try something else here and try to go back to almost where it began for me. And so that's what Mm -hmm. I have found traveling around the world, uh, playing basketball. It's like, Oh my God, what that, that, that experience I had as a kid feels now the same when I turn up in South Africa or Tokyo or Mexico city, where I was recently, that was an incredible experience because the, when you step on the basketball court, the language isn't necessarily verbal language isn't that important. It's more about the, uh, the you know, the nonverbal communication of like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to sort of teach you some things about basketball. Then we're going to play together and we're going to have fun. And then afterwards we might eat a local dish. Uh, we might have a beer and then you sort of get to know people a little bit. And that, that's what I'm really finding is fulfilling now that, when I first set off on this goal, it was like to play basketball in cool cities and have a great time. 
Now I'm like, oh, I want to host a clinic with some local kids so I can, mm-hmm. you know, give them some of the passion that I have for the game and see if it sort of sparks something with them that most, for the most part, they already love the game anyway. And so for someone to come and give them attention, and I often have T-shirts and prizes and things like that to give away as well. So people have this really fun experience. And then maybe there'll be those people, a bit like myself, where they're like, oh, I want to see where basketball can take me because you can go anywhere in the world and play and meet people yeah. and have fun. And so, you know, I'm really enjoying the challenge of, of trying to play around the world. And I've been really humbled by the support I've received and the amount of people who have said, oh, come to my country, come to my city, come out and play here and and, and, and come and do it. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is kind of what I was hoping for, that people were like, I can see the passion and love of playing basketball that you have. I feel the same way about it. Now I want to show off my city or my country to you. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's still, I'm still kind of figuring exactly what's going on. And I'm, I, I go in often not knowing exactly what I'm going to shoot, what story I'm going to tell. And sometimes it takes me a few months to sort of go through my footage and go like, what's the story here? What can I share with people that they're going to, get from it but now that i've had a bit more experience i'm like oh okay it's not about like me playing basketball i think has a has a sort of shelf life it was like okay we've seen you play great mm-hmm. what i'm trying to do now is like hey here's the story from where i was here's the story of the people i met and what happened in the experience and that seems to be uh you know resonating with my audience people are like oh that's cool i want to do that i want to go and play there i want to have that experience that you did and so that then sort of encourages and motivates me to try more things and and not the common things of like, well, just go and play, you know, in in a like in Toronto. I had a great run there, but you want to stretch the legs a little bit further and be like, I want to go to a country I've never been to before in a city I've never been to. I don't know anybody and see if I can make that happen. And uh, those experiences have been just uh, just exhilarating. Like I was in Tokyo. I had 18 hours in Tokyo. I had a layover on the way back from Manila. And I messaged a, a, a friend who follows me, and we follow each other, I should say, on, on uh, social media, Rio Anishi. And I said, he's in Tokyo. I said, hey, is there any chance I can get a run together here? Can you organize this within 24 hours? And he, he's like, uh, well, I'll try. Anyway, <laughs> he, he couldn't. He couldn't because it was to such short notice. It was in the middle yeah. of summer. But he said, listen, I'll take you to the court where there's usually people playing. I went there and had a great run. And, and one of the guys playing there, Toshiro, this guy, was incredible to watch and it was just so rewarding for me because that's how i believe life's best experiences come about when it's like you don't know what's going to happen you can't plan for it you just turn up uh it was it was it uh mark twain i think said 90 percent of life is just just show up you know and, yeah. and and see what happens and so those experiences really fuel more ideas of like you don't have to plan everything get a bit of an idea of what you're going to do and then go and try to make something happen and uh it, it's it's very very exciting when you come away from those experiences like i just had an, an, an awesome time and 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 tashiro especially i like to bring him up because i believe basketball like soccer players like when you watch messi or ronaldo you know they're artists you know they're geniuses mm-hmm. they're 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 painters in the way that they're like there's always something like it doesn't matter how many goals you've seen of messi the next one seems to be like, oh, my God, can you believe he did that? I haven't seen that one before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. And, I, and I think the same with basketball. I mean, some of the best, you know, things we see on social media are when Kyrie does those moves where he breaks down, you know, guys and he, and the ball's like, how did he even 
think about what he was doing. But it was improvisation, a lot of it. You know, it's just like I'm just trying to get to the basket. And Steph and, you know, LeBron and Michael, like everyone has had something that you just look at and we're just like, oh, my God, this is captivating. And so when I get to see those experiences in person without planning for them, without without it being a big setup of like, all right, we're going to watch this guy, that's when you feel like really satisfied that that I'm – I don't know if I'm on the right path, but I'm on a path somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and you're liking the path, and that's all that love it. matters. Love it. Um, the being a, being a fan in the way that you are with a little bit more distance from it, I think – I don't think it was the last time. I think it was the first pod that you and I recorded – you had said that there were aspects of 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 the NBA that were kind of grinding on you a little bit. Load management, trade rumors, and all that stuff. We are in the middle of trade season right now. It's really refreshing to not talk about it. It's really nice, actually. <laughs> um, but like, you know, being able to now have a little bit more distance, has it has it kind of uh reinvigor reinvigorated some of your your fandom in the NBA? Yeah, it has because I can pick and choose when I want to watch games. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I think that was probably a part of it is, is when you're an analyst and as you know yourself, you can't just decide, well, you know what, I'm taking a couple of weeks off the Lakers here. If you want to build up your integrity <laughs> and your credibility, you've got to go through every game, you know, and, yeah. and if the Lakers get blown out three games in a row, it's kind of like, oh, my God, are we going to, you know, LeBron's out now, Anthony Davis is out. How are we going to? talk about it when they lose by 30 points to this team and then they blow out the next team by 30 points those games there's not a lot of meat on the bone to talk about you know because mm -hmm. it's like I don't, I don't know how you how you sort of can analyze it's 182 like, it's, yeah it's like it's one of exactly. so yeah. now you know like christmas day for example uh, i tuned into the warriors and the nuggets i'm like great i, I want to watch these two teams and it was a pretty good game and at the end of it you're like i, I i'm glad i can enjoy watching it without feeling that I have to sometimes, you know, what's your take from it? You know, what's what 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 sort yeah. of story can you take from one game that is supposed to sort of, you know, be be broader in the sense? Sometimes, like, hey, that was just a good game, and that's it. There's no need to dig deep into every single game and analyze it in a way that's like that 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 tells a bigger picture. Sometimes it's just you watch the game, great, and then you move on. And so now. You know, my nights when I get home, well, I work from home, but when my boys come home from school, I'm a dad until I go to bed. And then if there's a game I do want to watch, I'll watch it. But if there's not, I won't. And if there's something I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, I wanted to watch that game last night, uh, whatever it was. It's like you can watch it back on the, on the recap on YouTube and things like that. So I enjoy because it wasn't that I didn't love basketball or I fell out of love. I think I just fell out of like, Oh, you know, it's March and I'm watching the Pistons and the Hornets, Wizards. you know. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, oh, this is just not boring. Yeah, it's not fun. And and I check the NBA app every day. And some things that still concern me about the, the league is when you see like 146 to 115. And that's not just one game. That's like there's four games that have a margin of that big. I'm like, this is like scoring is fun, but not when it's like, a team putting up 150 points and they're blowing yeah. out the other team by 40. Like, if you if you're a fan, are you really getting that much out of it? Really? I mean, are you going? Oh, that was great. We we smoked that team by 40 in January. Like, no. Now, of course, in soccer and European basketball, they still have bad games and blowouts. Of course, that happens everywhere. But I, I, the, in the NBA, there's still far too many meaningless games and. 
the in-season tournament, I give Adam Silver complete credit for trying something. I would still make it different. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it quite the way he did. But of course, I think this things are going to involve uh, evolve. And also the biggest the biggest area I think the NBA needs to change and fix is the draft because I'm more and more now like okay you cannot reward teams for mailing it in that's just the worst thing you can do you've got to yep. punish those teams instead because that's what happens in soccer you know mm-hmm. if you have a bad season you get relegated you don't you don't yeah. you, you don't finish last and they say okay you can now have the best player who's available that's that's your choice instead it's like a, the punishment is severe and that's what I would do. With the draft, if you finish last with the worst record or the second worst, you don't get a draft pick or you pick last in the draft rather than, hey, guys, we mailed it in and now we might get Wimbanyama. Like that that to me is like, no, you should be the absolute last team that gets a chance to say. And then in order to make the draft actually a real draft and a lottery is like every team has the same lottery odds so that you're yeah. not having, you know, you, and, and if that means the Lakers get the first pick in the draft next year or, or uh, the Nuggets as the current champions, fine. That That's that's the way it goes. But yeah. when you, you know, when I've watched teams in the past, you know, and the Sixers did it there under the Sam Hinkie era where they like, they're not even trying for the entire season and they get Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Jaleel Okafor and those guys. Now, maybe they didn't all work out, but the point is, is like Sam Hinkie was right. He was strategically going, well, I'm going to get the number one pick. And yeah. the NBA didn't really correct it. I know they've made a few tweaks, but get rid of that. If you finish last or second last, bad luck. You don't get a draft. You don't get a first round pick. Yeah, I um, I think generally speaking, the NBA has an issue with team brands, basically, where like you're rooting for laundry essentially, and you never know who's going to be on your team. And like the Lakers this year entered the season knowing essentially and 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 fans who've been paying any attention knew that D'Angelo Russell was probably going to get traded you know before uh February's trade trade deadline and I do kind of wonder if they completely flatten those lottery odds at that point you don't want to trade first round picks like you you can't because there's a chance you could get the top pick in the in, in the draft and I do kind of think that all of this player movement um has actually taken a toll on the league and, you know, because in the NFL, you know, quarterbacks there stay with their teams their entire careers. There is never any like almost never any rumors of a prime quarterback getting ready to, to leave or demanding a trade or, or, or anything like that. They wind up. In, and I think that really helps the strength of the league that those fans know. So long as I have that guy, I have a chance here. It's just a matter of trying to get that kind of a player. And I think the NFL or the NBA is kind of the opposite of that, where you have, uh, you know, the, the Spurs right now. I think Wemby will probably stick it out a little bit longer with the Spurs than most superstars or, or whatever, but it's always in the back of their minds. Like, you know, when are, when are the jersey swaps with the Lakers going to start? When, mm. are, when are we when, where, when are we going to start, you know, hearing those rumors that he wants to be in a bigger market um, and, 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 and all of that? So I, I, I do agree that, it can take a toll and, and um, the tanking especially is just, it's just, it, it can't be healthy for, for a league. And the, the NBA keeps on like, they keep using uh, franchise sale prices as a means <laughs> to say how healthy yeah. the league is. And the reason that they, those sale prices keep going up is because owners know 
I can't fail. I'm yeah. buying this thing that I, I, you know, I literally like there's, there's no punishment to being bad. Well, <laughs> Sign that's right. Me up. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, that, that's, that's what I've just come to learn over, over the years is like, yeah, look at, look at, look at in, if you follow any European soccer league, the last two months of the season for the teams that are trying to avoid relegation, they compete, their fans come out, they're hanging off every single goal because it could be the difference between being relegated down yeah. a division and staying up in the big top flight. And that's where the NBA needs to at least improve the stakes and the value of each game by saying, okay, we don't want teams where they look up and they go, you know what, we're not going to make the play-in tournament and we're certainly not going to make the playoffs. So let's see if we can now bottom out, rest our stars and increase our lottery odds. If you're the sponsors and the fans and you're like, well, why am I taking my kid to see a game where the team's not even really competing, the team's trying to lose? That just, to me is where it's wrong. You want instead teams like, I'm just going to hypothetically throw the bulls in there, say, and say, there is no way we want to miss out on a draft pick this season. We are competing every single game because we've got to get out of that sort of danger zone where you don't yeah. get a draft pick. And that to me is, is going to be more significant than, than the play-in tournament where, you know, I know the Heat sort of last season had the miracle run of making the play-in tournament and going to the finals. That's mm -hmm. That was unusual. And, and so I think you can keep the playing tournament, but what you've got to try to do is make sure that, you know, as the weeks and the months die down of the season, as they wind down, you haven't got six to eight to 10 teams saying, we don't want to win. We want to, we want to get in that 14% chance of getting the number one pick because we might get Wembenyama. Um, and that, and that's a problem. But again, Adam Silver, I think, I, I, I think he deserves credit for trying, you know, he's tried mm -hmm. the in-season tournament. I think that has been mostly successful he, uh, the the playing tournament you know he's trying to generate interest but the problem with the playing tournament is you can't play 82 games and then say well now we're playing for games that have stakes for these teams you know like what what's the point of the first 82 then you know what i mean like you've got to yep. you've got to make players feel hey if we if we drop two or three games in a row here we could really find ourselves in trouble so we've got to go out there and compete and look there's no perfect system uh, for sure but that that number one draft pick should never, ever again be an incentive for teams to be like, I'm not competing this season because we want to look ahead to next season. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff that's gone on with like even the Spurs this year where they aren't playing. Yeah. Uh, it's not Tyus Jones. Is it Tyus Jones? Uh, Tyus yeah. Jones. Um, and, and, and they like, you know, they've been playing Sohan at point guard and it's been this disaster and, and they're going to stick with it because, they could get SAR in yeah. the upcoming draft. And if you yeah. have SAR and you have Wemby, then what does anybody ever do against you? But yeah. um, let's talk about let's talk about your 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 project here. 20 cities, 20 countries, 20 games. Um, I was I've been I I've I've had an absolute blast um just watching your updates on 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 YouTube and on Instagram and and on on Twitter. Um your pinned post or your pinned video on YouTube right now is a conversation that you had with the one-armed mamba um just give me give me an update give me a plug uh, on 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 how everything's going you know it's uh every day is a new challenge because i'm a one-man band here so i am really trying to do all my own marketing my own production my own emailing my own pr everything like that so it's a, it's a ton of work 
Um, and, you know, there are days where you're like, man, I wish I had the resources to be able to recruit a few people to help me out here. Not quite right. at that stage yet, but trying to really, my focus right now is just to build the audience. You know, if you, if you build up a bigger audience, you're more likely to attract sponsors and investors and potentially, ultimately, the goal remains to get this on Netflix at some point. So if I've got a bigger audience, that becomes an easier conversation to have. Um, but it, it, again, as I was saying before, it, it's so fun waking up going like, hmm, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen today. I'm not sure what call I'm going to get, what email I'm going to receive. And that probably is different to what I was feeling in the last season or so there, you know, on the No Dunk Show where you wake up and you're like, oh, my God, am I, am I going to talk about, you know, <laughs> I, I, I keep throwing James Harden's name out there unfairly. He's a great player, but, you know, not necessarily a fun guy to talk about day in and day out. Whereas now... I'm like, man, I might be getting a call today from someone in Thailand. I might be getting a call from someone in, you know, uh, Kenya again, in South Africa, Brazil, Argentina, people saying, hey, we want to talk about you coming out. We want to, you know, try to make those things happen. And so those sorts of uh, days are really exciting. And then you get an opportunity to meet people like the the video you refer to there on my YouTube with Kat Tan, the one-armed mamba. This girl has the most inspiring story uh, I think you could ever find because as a 10-year-old girl, she was involved in a serious accident and, and, and lost her arm. Her arm was severed. And, you know, I mean, you think about all the things that we complain about in life with our health and things like Imagine being 10 years old and you lose your arm. Now, yeah. you could sort of think maybe someone going through a trauma like that is now, you know, a drug addict or has serious, you know, substance abuse problems trying to handle it. She's the most uh energetic just a great just a great person and she plays basketball she's happy she doesn't want any pity or sympathy or or anything like that she's like hey man it happened but you know what this is my life now and i'm just going to go and live it as best i can and and she got to meet kobe three times and if you've seen the entire video what she does at the end of that blows kobe's mind you know, yeah. like hits this shot at Kobe's camp that Kobe, you know, being Kobe, he wasn't doing her a favor or anything like that. He threw out a challenge, a Kobe yeah. challenge that he wanted that was genuine and authentic. And she absolutely yeah. nailed this challenge. And Kobe was just, you know, blown away by it. So when you see people like that, and Kat's a small girl, you know, she's only, you know, she's not a big like super athlete or anything like that. She just loves basketball. She works her ass off every single time she goes out there to play. She keeps herself in great shape. And when she does play, if you don't know her and you say, well, this person's, you know, got a, an obvious physical limitation, they're missing a limb. If you take it easy on her, she will she'll call you out. She'll, she'll yeah. say, hey, listen, play. I'm here to play. Yeah. You play. And so... I didn't even know about Kat until I got to the Philippines. Once I met her and started talking to her, learned more about her story, I was like, oh, my God, this is – she's she's an inspiration. And I hope she comes to the United States. She was talking about trying to get here because she really wants to meet Shaq. And I said to her, I said, well, I can't promise anything, but I will I, – I can promise you this. I will do everything I can for you to meet Shaq because uh, he would love that story and obviously the connection to Kobe there. So – um i i these are the sorts of things i was saying before there was no way of knowing this was going to happen until i got to manila and until i got to meet kat and heard her story and as soon as i started talking to her and heard her story i said all right i got to shoot a video here because more people need to know about her and what she's overcome and um i'm very very proud 
to call her a friend now. We're social media friends and we are often messaging with each other. And like, you know, she posts a lot of her basketball videos and like, you're killing them out there, Kat. She loves it. Yeah. And uh, it's <laughs> now I just, I'm like, we've got to get you here to the United States because uh, more people need to know about her and what she's overcome and how she lives her life now. Yeah, it's it's an incredible conversation. It's just one of the several uh, great pieces that you've done on this journey. Again, it's 20 cities, 20 countries, 20 games. Um, you're 18 of 20 right now. Actually, uh, 19. And- I, I, 19 because I was in New York uh, just last oh, week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little slack. I haven't sort of updated that too much yet. But uh, Yeah, I saw New York- the New York update. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the U.S. Uh, the U.S. has been ticked off, but the, you know, ticked off in a uh, checked off sense, I should say. <laughs> well, sometimes it's usually pretty ticked off. Yeah, here, but, yeah. sometimes that's where the um, <laughs> language language communication yeah. breakdown. Depending on which country I'm in, ticked off means something completely different. But uh, yeah. the thing is, I, I'm obviously here in the United States. There's a million other courts I would like to hit, and I plan on getting to those uh, as the journey unfolds and continues here. But um, yeah, 19, so 20, 20. I can give you a little bit of breaking news. Looks very likely that Brazil will be number 20 here in about two months' awesome. time. Yeah, working on uh, working on a deal there. Looks like it's going to happen. So uh, I can't think of a better place in the world than Rio de Janeiro to celebrate a milestone. So uh, that's where yeah. number 20 is going to be. Yeah, they they love I mean, they love sports down there, like Brazilians with with obviously with, with soccer and, and, and all that, the, the, the beautiful game and and um, the way that they feel about basketball. Right. Leandro Barbosa is, is, I think, probably the most famous Brazilian basketball player ever. Well, I would say probably Oscar Schmidt, even though he never played in the yeah. NBA. Um, Oscar was in the draft of 84, but he, but that was when the rules were different about playing in the Olympics. And I believe he actually is still the Olympic uh record point score i believe maybe maybe mm. mellow overtook him at some point but um yeah oscar schmidt i think is probably i mean leonardo obviously here in 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 the united states he had a lot of success with the the suns and the bull uh, was he in the bulls no suns warriors 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 that's yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh well that's awesome i'll keep an eye out for that anything else that you want to plug before we get you out of here Ah, uh, just uh, follow along and uh, let me know where you want me to play and I'm going to try to make it happen because uh, that's that's honestly how this is being grown is by people being involved. It's not, it's not just about me turning up and then, you know, hoping people will be there. It's going because people are going to say, hey, come and play in my city, play in my court. Outdoor courts is where I prefer. New York in January, I had to make an exception. It was uh... <laughs> <laughs> a little, little chilly. A little yeah. chilly, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're if you're uh, if you're ever in in Austin, or if we can, I, I know that the 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 NBA is taking a bit of a foothold here. The Spurs actually come up and play uh, a little more often. There's some cool courts. Austin, the city, is just a beautiful city. So if you're ever in the area, let me know, and and I'll for sure go and and check it out and. I don't know if I'll play. I'm a little round at this point, but uh, but I, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, <laughs> we, can, we can hide you in the corner and just shoot some threes. How about that? As long as it's five on five, I can go chill yeah, in the corner. Yeah, yeah, three yeah. Three on three, you're screwed. Like if All it's right. three on three, you're in trouble. And if I'm one of your three. Uh, Lee, this has been an absolute blast. It always is. Thank you very much for making time and, and best of luck and congratulations on, on this project. It, it blew me away when you first told me about it and when I first heard about it. And every time I hear about it, I get all the more inspired by it. Anytime, Anthony. Always fun chatting with you too, man. <laughs>